0: Tandem Nomads, episode 86. Building relationships is central. How you build relationships is cultural specific. Welcome to
1: Tandem Nomads, the podcast show designed to help expat partners turn their dual career challenges into a successful, portable business and thrive in their global nomadic life. To download your free guidebook on the six steps to build a successful, portable business, go to tandemnomads.com. Com. Hello Namad Nation, this is Emel Deregi and today's episode is all about intercultural communication that I think can be very important for your portable business. I'm sure that you will have to practice your business all around the world and have at some point to deal with intercultural misunderstandings and situations where the culture has something to do with whether you reach your goals or your, your expectations. So in order to talk about that topic, I brought to you a great expert on the matter, Sunday Schneider Beans. Sunday, are you ready for the ride? I am ready. Fantastic. So, Sunday is a repeat guest on the podcast, Tandem Nomads. And uh, if you want to listen to the previous episode, we've talked about so many interesting topics. So I'll make sure to put the links on the show notes, show notes page of this episode. But what you got to know about Sunday is that she is an intercultural specialist and a solution oriented coach. She's also the host of the podcast show. Expat happy hour Sunday is a mother of two third c- third culture kids and has lived overseas since nineteen ninety nine and she comes from the u s and has lived in Switzerland, Burkina Faso and today she lives in South Africa. She has helped individuals from over sixty countries go through transitions and change. Sunday also works with multinational companies and NGOs to support their employees so busy lady huh <laughs> yes I am
0: yes I am. Um,
1: well, well, thanks for coming to the show again. It's so great to Thank have you me. again on Town of Nomads. Mm-hmm. We've been, uh, we have so much in common and work in so many mm-hmm. uh, common fields and very complementary fields. And I know that you are... Um, also very um, good and know a lot about intercultural uh, management uh, topics especially in business settings so who better Mm. to bring here to help our global nomads and entrepreneurs to deal with that Sunday this was a very brief intro of who you are is there anything I missed that you would like to share with you and what's happening in your world today
0: Um, well, what's happening in my world today is gorgeous sunshine in South Africa. (laughs) And um, probably what I would add is that I work not just with individuals one-to-one with coaching, but I do training with um, multicultural groups and international groups around the world. So I get how hard it is to really achieve your business goals um, when you're working across cultures from a client perspective, but also from a personal perspective, because that's what I do every day.
1: Definitely. And I'll also, I would be an expert partner yourself, so you all know about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: lived it, lived it for sure. <laughs> Fantastic. So, Novat Nation, let's talk now more about the cultural aspect about running a portable business while moving from a country to another. Could you tell us what are the major mistakes that you've seen in your career in terms of intercultural um, relationships and management and just expats going abroad and living in a different culture than theirs?
0: Right. So this is a big question, right? The mistakes. And I, you know, I put some thought into it before we uh, are speaking right now. And I think honestly, when I boil it down, I could give you examples of this faux pas and when this happened, et cetera, et cetera. But I think when I boil it down, one of the biggest mistakes is that people fail to check their assumptions. Mm -hmm. That leads to all of the messy things that you see, right? So I think when we look at the number one mistake, people fail to check their assumptions. It's because we make the mistake that people think and operate like we do. Or we make the mistake, of course, this is what My partner or my colleague or my business person is going to do. And the reason why we do that is because we have gotten caught up in the stress, um, in the financial pressure, and we forget to ask the question what's the role of culture? And I'll give you an example from my own life. I'm not, (laughs) this was one of those hard earned mistakes that. I made, and I'm actually really grateful I made this mistake because it was one of those defining moments where you won't, you, you, of course you may do it again, but you've learned so deeply that it keeps your awareness really high. So back in 2006, I had just graduated from my master's degree in intercultural communication. I had taken um, extra, um, certification on how to help people transition across culture. So I'm feeling pretty hotsy totsy about my intercultural specialty <laughs> come out of grad school. And I, you know, I got recruited to work in an international company in Switzerland, working with, um, fortune 500 companies, and I was managing intercultural team. And one very basic example was I was working with, um, China, recruiting them for a Fortune 100 company. And I spoke to this really amazing client. We were doing recruiting, executive recruiting, really amazing client who was a perfect fit. And I had my, the senior partner on the project really down my neck to fill this position because it was very, very high level client. So I finally found this perfect client and, I'm, and I called him. He was, he's based in China. And he, I said, you know, we looked at if, whether he was a good fit, whether he was interested and he said, yes. And I said, will you send me your CV, you know, this week? And he said, yes. So hang up the phone. And I'm like, oh, thankfully I have one person. And I call, um, he doesn't email me. So I write him an email back and say, you know, you've said that you'll send the CV. Um, I'd love to get it from you by Friday, et cetera. Don't hear from him. I call the next week, you know, fast forward. Um, I get him on the phone maybe two weeks later after emailing him and calling him uh, myself. And I basically hear what I think is yelling at me in Chinese and then click. And then I realize, like in my head, it went click. That, of course, well, everything that I know about um, communication practices in this context was that indirect communication is a far more polite way than direct communication. And I forgot this. This was his way of saying, no, I'm not interested. And no, I'm not going to send you the CV because he did not send me the CV. But I was under so much time and financial pressure. All of the knowledge just went away. Mm -hmm. And my learning moment was that knowledge is one thing. But if you don't live it, if you don't make time for it, Mm -hmm. to ask the question, what is the role of culture? You can miss the easy stuff. I mean, this is basic stuff. Mm -hmm. And I missed it. And that was really important for me.
1: That's really interesting. There's a lot of interesting points I want to dig deeper in here. The first one is the assumptions I think that's where it starts the awareness in general uh being aware of a situation and that's really hard the second point is that when you're in a stress in a rush and, mm-hmm. and that's when we get to forget these things even mm-hmm. when we know um yeah. so we always go back to what our comfort zone especially the more we stress the more we go back to what we know um but actually, what I liked about your example is also the fact that you're talking about indirect communication, which is something that happens a lot with portable businesses. We mainly yes. do our businesses through online emails, social media, um, rarely on the phone, but probably Skype or things like that. So that was interesting. So I would love to know now, looking backwards, how would you have handled that, mm-hmm. the situation?
0: Oh, this is the whole joke about it all. It would have been so simple. Five minutes, five minutes of my calendar saying, what is the role of culture this week or this project? Five minutes and something I recommend to my clients all the time is to put a reminder in your calendar just to trigger what's going on. If I had put that in there, of course, everything I know about culture would be look for indirect communication. Um, you know, use what you can do from indirect um, perspective. It would have been so simple. Wouldn't have taken me any time at all to remind myself. And in fact, it would have saved me weeks because I invested so much time down the wrong path uh, out of desperation to get someone that I actually wasted time by not reminding myself of that. So very simple. In hindsight, just five minutes, a post-it note on my desk. Every, every client chooses um, to remind themselves in different ways. For me, it would have been a reminder, my calendar, Monday morning, what's the role of culture. It would have been easy. What do you
1: mean by that? I'm I'm sure that, I mean, what do you mean by what's the role of culture? We need to get that. um, Like, what do I put on that post-it? And culture is all different. That's the thing too. So what what does that mean practically?
0: Okay. So here's, so I'm going to step back here. I think the number one thing that we need to get clear on what is culture Mm -hmm. and the one mistake people make is assuming culture is nation. Mm -hmm. The Austrians, the Swiss, the Italians, the Chinese, the et cetera, et cetera. Culture at its very basic nature is learned and it reflects a way a group of people see the world. That means all areas of our life, the way what we believe, our assumptions, our values, our communication, any of that. And it doesn't have to be nation. In fact, think about for yourself, Amel, (laughs) When, I, when, I, when you have to think about your culture, how messy is that because of the way that you grew up, right? It's way, way beyond nation. It has to do with gender, age, your corporate background, you know, your professional lens, how you see the world, the languages you speak, your socioeconomic status, your sexual orientation. These are all things that influence how you see the world. And a big mistake that people have is that culture is a nation. And what we know from research, from hardcore research, from studies, there was a study done from um, Kirkman, Teres, and Peers, where they looked at 558 meta-analysis studies. And they looked at over 35 years in work-related fields, right? And they looked at how actually we are more diverse within a nation than we are across national boundaries because of the diversity. When we look at how your region plays a role, how your religion plays a role. And I know, Amel, you live in the U.S. right now. Think about New York versus L.A. and some small, you know, community in the Midwest. There are huge cultural um, differences within the national boundaries, Right, so I think culture. When we talk about what you know, what's the role of culture? We need to we need to be very clear that culture is learned practices and preferences, the way people see the world. And if I get really nerdy on you from an intercultural perspective, <laughs> uh, we already talked about one of the dimensions. We talked about direct versus indirect communication. Mm-hmm. Right. So if instead of people thinking about How do they do it in China? How do they do it in Italy, et cetera? I would encourage people to get smart on a neutral language of culture. And that one of them is communication. Do you prefer direct communication and indirect communication? And and one example of that is the difference between you're at a party at um, one evening with your partner. And (laughs) I did this actually with my partner. Um, I said to my partner, honey, don't you think it's getting late and he said, no. <laughs> and I can see, um, I can see your eyes right now. Your eyes got really big, right? But my, don't you think it's getting late is code for honey, I'm tired. Let's go home, right? I mean, you understand that, but my husband heard the direct question. Don't you think it's getting late? Yes or no?
1: I'm going to say a pure stereotype and cliche here. Of course, he's Austrian. Uh, He's Swiss. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like Swiss and Austrians and Germans are known to be direct and just factual. But again, this is very cliche. So that's the thing that you're saying here, that there's no... Are you saying there's no i mean i don 't think that 's what you say, but uh, I understand your point of view is that you 're saying that it 's I love your definition of culture learn practices and uh, preferences and yeah. but there are general trends in terms of cultures i mean we cannot dissociate that so but what do you right, do, and do, I do, just ask,
0: what's more useful? I mean, what's oh. more useful to say my husband answered that way because he's Swiss? Yeah. He answered that way because he's a man? Or to say he has a more direct communication style than I do? Exactly. Yes. I really don't care if it's nationality or if it's gender. What I care is which differences make the difference. So how do you do that? How
1: do you get to know? It's, it's, it's not always easy to know, okay, is this... I mean, is it like a constant button that we have to keep up, like, switched on? Like, is this person meaning this? Is this person not meaning this? Is this what I'm understanding? Is it like a constant back or forth asking the question, is it what you mean?
0: Right. I mean, this is the thing. If we were constantly questioning everything, we would be exhausted. Yeah. Um, so... <sighs> Here's the thing. There's no way, you know, there were one of the things that people, people often ask me is how to avoid misunderstandings. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you can always avoid misunderstandings in, in, their cultural context, because we are just far too complex. Uh, What I can say is we can avoid a big chunk of misunderstandings by learning how people tick right? This neutral language of culture. Are you direct or indirect? Do you believe um, when you look at hierarchy, should it be emphasized or should it be minimized? There's certain things about culture that are there. And I I don't know who said this to me. I was at a conference once with Ursula Brinkman and she said that culture isn't everything, but it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, I don't know who she quoted, but that it is, it's everywhere. And but does it matter? So if you can look at the role of culture, when I say that, what I mean by that is what are the differences that are making the difference? And the way you communicate direct or indirect is one of them that makes a difference. Okay. Another one that makes a difference is, are you focused on the task or are you focused on building relationships? I have a client who was going to Southeast Asia, coming from Western Europe, and had an Excel sheet prepared on what he wanted to accomplish, the business tasks at hand, what time they would start, et cetera. And he got there, and the receiving person in Southeast Asia, um, instead of getting down to business, took them on a tour of some sort of like crocodile zoo. <laughs> and the whole Excel sheet, all the agenda items were out the window because what was a person trying to do? Trying to build relationships. A bond. A bond. Right? It wasn't about the, you know, the agenda items. So if the client had not known that and had pushed through the agenda and said, I'm sorry, we don't have time to go to the crocodile farm. Um, I really need to do this now. It would have been um, a disruption in the relationship building, but the individual was able to let go and say, Oh, okay, I see this relationship building preference coming through. Let go of my need to control the tasks and just see where this leads right and that 's where this is what I mean about the role of culture if you don 't know the language of culture, if you don 't know how people dif- differ and how these differences make a difference, you can then then you just rely on your own values and your own preferences. And you might start judging other people like, oh, this guy is trying to distract me. This guy doesn't understand how valuable our time is together. That's when you start looking at it through your own cultural lenses and making judgments. But the judgments are actually from a place of bias, from your bias, not from from their perspective. Okay. So, uh, you know what I
1: like what you said about is, and I think that's where it starts. It's instead of focusing on getting tasks done, focus on building relationships. That's for sure. I think one of the first ways to start, because when we build relationships, we we build empathy and empathy gets us to understand better who we're talking to, I think.
0: Right. But some people believe that you um, should get down to the task first and Relationships are built working side by side together. So, I, I think hmm. that you need to know, depending on where you go and how that sort of, you know, mode of operandi is, you need to adapt your style. I agree with you 100%. Building relationships is central. How you build relationships is cultural specific.
1: Definitely. That's definitely the case. Yeah. But, but does it mean that you have to learn each time the culture, make research of the culture you're interacting with each time and get the information, how it works? Is this what you're
0: saying? I would, I would get smart. I would get smart. And there's one really easy way to do that. Um, there's an organization that I love to support. It's called Agronaut Online. And they have something called the Culture Connector. And they have 12 dimensions of culture that are agreed upon by all the nerdy interculturalists like mm-hmm. me. <laughs> and it's from tons and tons of research and they've consolidated it in an easy to understand um, language. There are other people who do this too that do it you know, very well as well. But this is just one that I can recommend from the beginning. So what you do... Listen, if, I ha- if I'm going to go, one of my clients was going to Russia and is a lawyer, and this person has never worked in Russia before, you have no idea. And rather than having no idea, let's try to narrow down that scope to an informed um, hunch, right so then you go online and you look at well what are the cultural national cultural practices in russia how are they more direct or indirect how do they see conflict are they task or relationship oriented etc based on all the research so now you go from having zero idea or maybe just stereotypes that you've seen on ski holidays or movies and now you go from an informed perspective and and that is way safer than no idea right and once you get there you keep your eyes open and you look, huh, what are they actually doing? Does that match with the cultural preferences I've been reading about and learning about? Or is that different? And that's the difference between um, creating a generalization and going off of stereotypes. A stereotype is like a hard ball where you have your idea of what it means to be a Russian, an American, a who knows what, and any ideas that are different from that bounce off of it. That's a stereotype. And um, a generalization is like those Nerf balls where they have holes in them and the air can go through, mm-hmm. where you have a framework that's pretty solid, but there's still openings. And then the new ideas come in and you adapt your perspective. That's a generalization. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. In this region, that's what I'm seeing. It's a little different from what I was expecting based on what I read. And now I'm modifying what I see. Yeah.
1: Interesting. So if I had not to summarize this a little bit, what you've been covering here, in just small tips out of this. The mm-hmm. first one I would say is, we talked about it right away, the awareness, being aware and switching on that mode. How did you call it your post-it? Uh, how did you say? Your cultural um, what's knowledge? Yeah. What's the role of culture? Yeah,
0: what's the yeah. role of culture? Exactly. Cultural the-
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. Then mm-hmm. make sure to be once you're aware about it, make sure also to learn about that culture and get as much information as you can. But I would but also on the third point, then have a fact check. Make sure yep. that whatever you learn is not just a stereotype and be aware about that. That's that's great. So based on that now, I still want to go back to your example. I love practical examples to mm-hmm. illustrate what we're talking about. Going back to your example with this email to this person that you wanted a CV from, what would you have practically done? You sent an email asking for the resume. What would you...
0: And then a better idea, a better so now with the, the um the advantage of hindsight and not under so much stress, yeah, of course, <laughs> financial pressure it's always not, easier afterwards. <laughs> of course, a better idea was I would have hung up the phone from him and said, I got a verbal yes on the phone that doesn't mean yes. Sunday note to self, pay attention over the next week whether I hear back from him. If I don't, send an email. Saying clients who are interested in this role um, and want to advance send resumes within three days. (laughs) So it's not, will you send the resume? It's information and it's in an indirect style. Mm -hmm. It's not saying you should, it's just giving information. Allowing the person to save face, my face, by me looking bad, by having him have to reject me, right? Mm-hmm. By just stating the fact and allowing him to not answer the email. Yeah. And that would save face. Then I would get the clue going, you know what? This guy is not hot on the tracks for this role. I need to move on. And what that does is it, it causes me to adapt an indirect communication style. So I need to speak his or her language so I can save face and I can help them save face. That's causing me to be adaptive in my communication style. It's also causing me to be, uh, have much more heightened awareness of what's going on in this situation. There's a big, if anybody out there is from um, what I call low t- context culture, people who say, what I say is what I mean, right? Where you, where you rely on words for meaning, pay attention because when you rely on words for meaning, there is a huge amount of the global population who don't. And that means you have to pay attention to what's called the context clues. So did you get an email when they said they would um, bring it? What were the words that they use? What's not being said? People from indirect communication um, cultures are really amazing at reading context clues. And and this is going to sound like um, a generalization. I'll say it. I'll hold this generalization lightly. Okay, mm-hmm. there is a gender dynamic that I've observed, and also in the research um, is supported partly, where where women will say, "Did you?" If you're in a meeting and someone says something. A woman would say, Yeah, but did you see how they're crossing their arms or the tone of voice? I don't know if she's going to do it. This, you know, all of us, whether you're male or female, might have a tendency or, or a strength in reading what's not being said. If that's a strength of yours, I don't care what your background is or your gender or whatever, that might be because you're good at reading context clues right? Other people might just hold on to what was said, and then you're more focused on the words and the meaning that those words carry. Yeah.
1: So how do you do when you don't know? When you actually, for example, it happens that you receive an answer, but you don't quite understand what it means. What right. You do?
0: So in this situation, um, what is advised is to check assumptions. And it's not about them, it's about you right? So you might say, all right, here's, uh, thank you for your email. Um, here's what I read so that I can under- see if I understood it appropriately. Here's what I understood. So you are making it about you, not about them. And you're also checking assumptions. So you're summarizing what you understood. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're taking ownership for your understanding and you're putting it in writing. That's also good. And then you're asking, can you help me see if I've understood it correctly?
1: That's great. Yeah.
0: So that's,
1: that's fantastic. It's always trying to make sure. I think that's always like when you, even when conflict management always say, this is how I feel um, and not say you did this. I feel like I don't understand, or instead of saying you're not clear. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's, that's a very good approach. Always try to make sure that the person does not feel attacked and turn the sentence into the passive. I call it the passive mode. I don't know if there's... Yeah. <laughs> but where you're saying, I'm the one who don't get it. Please help me. And then you give them the power to, um, to help.
0: Right. You, you to don't take, even need to say, I don't get it. I mean, because yeah. you don't, maybe you don't want to lose face, but you well, might this say... This is how I to, get it. Yeah. To make sure that I've understood correctly... I'm going to summarize what I've understood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that is a strong way to, to respond. Fantastic. So, when you work with clients uh, in
1: intercultural management, what are the things that you cover? What are the. Mm-hmm, the... Yep.
0: Yeah. So, that's a great question. And this is, I'm going to say this in a way that if people want to sort of, you know, create their own path and, and um, building their own uh, understanding, I would. We rely on the absolute basics. So intercultural competence, when you are able to act appropriately, effectively, and with satisfaction across cultures, that's basically the definition of intercultural competence or the measure. Was it appropriate? Was it effective? And are both of us satisfied? Okay, so we, we rely on that as a measure. And then what we start with is your motivation. Listen, you're a busy professional. You're, you're growing a small business. You know, you're moving your family across the world. Are you really motivated to stay open? Are you really motivated to stay curious and learn about other cultures? We start with the motivation. Because if you're not motivated to stay open and stay curious, you're going to do like I did years ago and completely shut down under time um, and financial pressure, right? So we we look at are you motivated? The second thing we do is we get really smart on culture. And that means. What, what is culture directing indirect communication, um, whether people take initiative or they expect the responsibility to be higher in the hierarchy. We look at the sort of 12 dimensions of culture. So they have a lens to see it happening. And this is, this is so important because then you can avoid trouble, like with conflict, like you were saying before, some people see conflict as an opportunity other people see conflict as a threat. Mm -hmm. So this is like learning the language of culture. It's these lenses that you put on to see what's going on because the problem is people go running into a situation and if they don't have these lenses on, it's like a train wreck waiting to happen (laughs) because this is how we differ. These are the differences that make a difference. And then once you kind of get this neutral language, which actually doesn't have to take a long time, you can start predicting, hey, where are the gaps with the people I'm working with? How are we similar? And I could leverage that similarity because culture is not always about just differences, it's about how we similar. So you can leverage the similarities to create understanding and reduce those gaps. So we do, we do that. And then we look at your real life experience. My clients come to me and they say, Sunday, I have no idea if this has anything to do with culture, but here's what's frustrating me. And then we look at it and we apply what, what's going on from one of these 12 dimensions. What's the role of power? What's going on from a communication perspective? And they see things in ways that they didn't see before. Yeah. So what do you mean? You mentioned the 12 dimensions. Right, this is how, these are the 12 differences on how, the differences that make a difference, right? And as Mm -hmm. as I said before, communication is one, whether we are a direct communicator or indirect communicator. Mm -hmm. Another one, as I mentioned, is are we more task-oriented or Mm relationship-oriented? Or do we go towards conflict or away from conflict? How do we use time? Do we do one thing and we finish it and then we do the next thing? Or do we do five things at one time? Right, So if you're working with, um, with someone from another culture and you're on a call, but then someone comes in the meeting room and makes a delivery and then they talk for a second and then they get back to your call, that might not be rude. That might be just someone who has what's called a polychronic orientation to time, someone who does multiple things at one time. So if you don't see that as a lens, you might think, this guy is so rude. This guy isn't taking me seriously right? And I had this exact situation happen when I was working with a client. He was a very high level HR um, executive in the company I was serving. And we would have our appointments at, you know, two sharp. And I would wait outside the door for five minutes, 10 minutes. And sometimes the secretary would send me back and say, listen, he's not ready. He'll come get you. And I, and I, You know, my default reaction was, oh, he doesn't respect me. doesn't see me as an equal. You know, he doesn't value my time. And I do deep breath, deep breath, Sunday. That's your default response. What's going on? What's the role of culture, right? And I thought, well, maybe, maybe he has a polychronic approach to time. Maybe he doesn't take time as seriously of, you know, we have to start at too sharp, right? And that calmed me down. We came into the meeting. We did the coaching, and actually, ironically, that day we were talking about time orientation, mm-hmm. and it came out in the coaching that he values relationship and closing the a natural connection over like punctuality, and it just justified like, okay, yeah, that's exactly what was going on. It's now personal, and um, if imagine had I not done the work, I could go in huffy, puffy, frustrated and go, what's going on? This is the third time you've delayed our meeting. Do you not see me as an equal? Do you not respect our time? Do you even want to be in coaching? It would have created a completely defensive context. Interesting. So, so knowing about these lenses, it gives you a clue when any of these emotions, this is a clue when a misunderstanding might be going on interculturally, watch for these emotions. Shock, frustration, Anger, confusion, or a feeling like you've been disrespected. If you're feeling any one of those emotions, surprise, shock, frustration, like you're being disrespected, anger, then maybe something is going on culturally. Yeah, I don't know if you were aware about
1: personal leadership, the practice of personal leadership, yep. the PL, and that's I'm a trained one of the, personal. Leadership coach. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and I love that because one of the one of the faces is attending to emotions. Yes, and the PL is such a great practice. So, a uh, nomination. I'll put the link on the PL episode where we explain explain how PL works, and I find that PL is fantastic because that it's about first pausing, attending yep. to emotions, and then you. Evaluate how you're going to react to that. Absolutely. According yeah. to the clues that you've gathered on, and what is your goal here? Is it yep. um, to, to, I guess, I, I love when you said, for example, finding similar similarities. Is it a ten, like a reaching the goal that you absolutely have to reach, etc.? cetera? So that's yep. really interesting. But you mentioned, so I love that you called that moment, listen to your emotions because I think it's in the body. It's, it's really that's absolutely what, what it happens usually it's always like the heart is beating uh we started shaking or we, we started crunching <laughs> so that's a right. really important signal to listen to i love that you brought that up so you mentioned in those 12 dimensions uh you mentioned communication tasks uh, or relationship oriented conflict time these are the four that I have. Is there anything else? That you oh, want there's to- a lot more.
0: And I just didn't know if you wanted to hear all good 12 we- of them. One, so one could you just three- cover them briefly? Because that's yes, really very good. So um, one of them that, let me just see, I'll go in order to make sure that I don't miss any. Um, we talked about, we haven't talked about responsibility. Mm-hmm. So um, one thing I've noticed when people are leading across cultures, there from some people, they might assume the employee will take initiative. And in other cultures, they, that's not a cultural practice to take initiative. You wait out of respect for your boss to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. So our sense of responsibility, whether it's coming from yourself or coming from the outside, differs. The next one is group membership. So this is the individualistic versus collectivistic. So do I see myself as you know, this rogue individual or am I part of a group? So when that matters is if you are an individual if you come from an individualistic culture where you believe the individual should be recognized and rewarded, and you're leading a team that is more collectivistic, that sees each other, sees itself as part of a group, you might deeply embarrass someone by calling out the one person's achievements, because then they're separated from the group. Okay, so that's why group membership matters there. Tasks, we talked about whether you're task-oriented or relationship-oriented. Directness, we talked about whether you get straight to the point or do you rely on um, outside messages to convey the the context. Um, Conflict, we talked about. Is that part of communication, the directness? Yes, yes. So there's a lot of variations on communication style. Some are like an arrow that goes straight to the point. Other communication styles are like a circle where you talk around it. You might even tell a story. And then um, through the story, you understand the message. And others kind of walk around it where um, it's said but not said, (laughs) right? So um, this can drive you mad if you're from a direct communication um, preference because you want to get it. The point right away. And it can create impatience. If you're indirect, direct communication can feel very painful. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they just said it, boom, like that. And I had this (laughs) once happen when I was at work. I worked with someone who was far more direct than I was. And she said to me, You do not look good in yellow. (laughs) I was wearing yellow, and I thought, "Whoa, thanks, thanks for that." Like, and I just, you know, took a deep breath and I kind of had a chuckle inside. Like, she has a much more direct communication style than I do. Another colleague of mine, um, you know, German-speaking Swiss, which is you know conducive to a more direct communication style, also was so direct with me it felt painful, and I realized that their style is there is a gap between their level of directness and how I appreciate um, more indirectness. Uh, Conflict is, is very related in terms of style. Do you avoid conflict? Do you go to a third party to solve conflict or do you see that person one to one and solve it immediately? Mm -hmm. Um, Problem solving is another one. And I love this example. For example, do you solve problems and problems are solved in a group using logic, research, and data? Or is it solved in a group, for example, because of who's the most inspirational and conveys the most emotion, Mm -hmm. right? If you come from a problem-solving background where logic and research is valued, you will go bananas (laughs) if you work in a context where emotion and imagination and inspiration is the one that solves a problem. Yeah. So do you see how these gaps these are differences that make a difference yeah. and you have to be really creative how do i take my tendency my preference how do i find a way where i can be appropriate effective and feel satisfied in the situation
1: fantastic yeah.
0: okay so those are half that's half the other half we're looking at is we call it a, when we look at space right mm-hmm. so space can be defined in many ways but do you allow people to have a um, view into your personal life or is work and personal life very separate, right? I know that my friends in the U S meet their husbands or wives at work. <laughs> and so the private and, and, um, uh, professional spheres are very blended sometimes. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, in a Swiss context, there is, um, a huge separation between private and public so much that, You should not be having a cell phone conversation on a bus because now we're hearing into your private life, and that doesn't feel appropriate, Mm -hmm. right? So space is one of those. Time we talked about already. Are you someone who does one thing and you feel good because you finish it and you go to the next, or are you someone who is comfortable with interruptions while you're working? Mm -hmm. I know that many people that are working in, um, a West African context. So my European friends or my American friends were more, um, focused on doing a task, finishing it, going to the next task, but their context was, um, your employees would just interrupt you and that would have to be okay. Cause that's the cultural context was more, uh, polychronic and their use of time. So the way they use time. So here's the thing. I want to interrupt on that one. Cause that's an interesting example.
1: Uh, like where, where I want to go, because half of the time we're talking now, it's all about us being able to adapt and understand the other. Yes. At some point, and this is m- my personal experience, I've been yes. spending my whole life as a TCK, as a global yeah. nomad, constantly having this switch on. At some point, I did not anymore know, first of all, what I stand for, and second, yes. How do I make sure that also my needs are met? And this is a typical example where I can use a practical example of interruptions um, where you cannot, for instance, work being interrupted. Right, it's not productive. So what do you do in this case? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you express that culture? Like, I can't, I'll get this done. And it's not like you can just say, okay, for one hour, I'm going to go and lock myself up, but it's a constant interruption all the time. So how do you deal with that?
0: Right, so I think what's important here remember the the measure of intercultural competence is appropriate, effective and satisfactory. Mm-hmm. So if you're not getting any work done and you're mad, it's not working. Mm-hmm. Right? It might be appropriate for them But it's not working for you. So there has to be more work done here. So what you can do, here's for long-term relationships. I think when you make it, when you look at your strategy, it has to always be dependent on how long-term is this relationship and how balanced is the context. So for example, let's say you work in a team And they all like to interrupt and you don't, but you're going to work together for a long time and you really depend on each other. So in that situation, you need to have a conversation saying, listen, this is how I tick. This is how I thrive. I know it's different from everyone here. Mm -hmm. I want to contribute to the team. I want to be effective. Would you be willing to allow me office hours from 11 to 2 where I'm not interrupted. And in exchange, I will open up three to five, where you can come through my door without announcing, where you have to, whatever it is for you to get your needs met, where you say one, here's how I tick. And I notice there's a gap from the way people do it here. What my positive intention is. I want to be effective. I want to uh, I want to contribute to the team. Here's how I know I can contribute best. And then you make the request. Would you be willing to experiment with this structure that I think will help us get both of our needs met? Or you can say, here's how I am, here's how I tick, here's what I need. What ideas do you have? How could we structure our time differently? And then co-create a strategy.
1: That's great. I think that's that's good because we're we're moving from being reactive to negotiating, yes. and that's yes. I think what's important. At some point, it's not only about being listening to the other and doing what the other needs and wants, but it's finding that balance through negotiation and making it clear. And I think what I absolutely would insist on what you said is always find. A way to express it that does not feel like you're doing this, you're bugging me. You're yeah. Right. I am somebody who needs this. Could you help yeah. me do that? And you know, this is like very important to always turn that language into reaching out rather than reacting and accusing. Somehow.
0: And that is why it's so important to understand the cultural difference, like the cultural differences that make a difference, have a neutral language. Because if you say you interrupt me, <laughs> that people can feel defensive, right? Or you don't give me my my space. You need a neutral language where people don't feel defensive, and that's why it's so important um, to rely on. Yeah, definitely. You know, we did not finish on the 12th, but we're going to move on. And I
1: don't know if you have like a resource we could put on the the webpage yes, of these 12 look at, dimensions. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I will put them to so Nomad Nation Weekend. There's so much to cover in this topic, such a broad topic. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to, um, so I will put that resource on that web webpage. Um, just, just we covered so many great practical examples, but I just wanted to line up some examples where misunderstanding Could happen. And I think the most common one are, and you mentioned it, is expressing feedback, Mm -hmm. Uh, saying no or yes, Mm -hmm. Um, is, uh, for example, also. Uh, intentions, sometimes the intentions are not very well understood after a very neutral sentence. Um, following up, that's another topic we mentioned. Uh, all these topics are like examples. I'm trying to find examples that are related to having a portable business because it's mm-hmm. all communication that's easily physical but mainly online. So feedback, intentions, oh punctuality, yes. uh, following up, uh, understanding yes or no, is it a maybe, is it a yes, is it a no. Uh, right. Relationships, men and women, I can tell you a story, um, for instance, that I did not realize when I came to the U.S. Uh, my first month was all about networking, creating my network in the U.S. I would go to every possible conference, event, and try to explore the market and meet people. So for me, in Europe, when you want to have a conversation and build relationship with people – like we do in terms of culture, mm-hmm. you get to have a coffee. And yep. I did not realize that here is not, I did offer to go for a coffee with a man that I met at an event, and I did not realize that it was a date. And he was very <laughs> offended that right away we started the conversation and he said, oh, so what brings you to New York? I said, yeah. So, And then I talk about my background, and then my husband said, oh, you married? I said, yeah. And then he <laughs> shot off. I was like, oh my God, what happened? And then it happened a second time. So, okay, there's a pattern here. Something is wrong. <laughs> and then I started researching. And I'm like, oh, you don't meet for, with men for coffee <laughs> yeah, right. in the US. I'm like, come on. <laughs> so um, this is interesting part, men and women. I think that's very important to be aware of. Um, when do you have a business lunch, coffee or dinner? Mm-hmm. When right. do you pay and you don't pay? That's another yep. thing. Um, right. Self-promotion uh, and being salesy. So oh, that's a huge one, right? So there's a lot of, I just, I'm just listing them so that yep. our nomad can, can like identify some of the cases that might happen to them where, mm-hmm. okay, maybe this case is a cultural case. So yes. any feedback on this list that I just
0: prepared here of, of occasions well, of misunderstandings? What's great about the list is it's about mismatch of expectations, Mm -hmm. right? So one tip for people is when, you know, the challenge is if you have a portable business, you're dealing with multiple cultures, Mm -hmm. right? From people all over the world. But when you're when you think about when you're setting up your portable business and you're going to work with primarily one group of people, you have an ideal client base, and you see patterns, you can think about okay, I need to test my assumptions. So one tip for people is if you're working with um, a group of people, like you said, it, the first time you're working in New York with men. Test assumptions, and you say, "Hey, you work in New York, and I know that you work with some men. Is meeting someone for a coffee also a good way to connect, or is there a better way based on your experience?" And you you ask what's called a local informant, someone who lives there, knows the people, knows the context, and that's um, what you can do is test assumptions. All of these things are about um, about this flexibility in thinking when you look at how do you follow up, how do you communicate, um, how do you use time, it's around what are my expectations. It's about how you actually, before you learn anything about culture, you need to learn first around how you tick, Mm -hmm. because that means what your expectations are. I tell all my clients when I work in international um, groups, I was just in France with a um, very multinational group of people, 23 individuals. I said, I start and stop like a Swiss train. Mm -hmm. When I say nine, we start at nine. So I set expectations so they know it's not 9.05, 9.10, 9.15. Of course, it could be 9.05, but I try to set an expectation how, how we're going to operate because I'm leading the training. If you're a portable business owner and you meet with people over Skype or you have time windows where you work, this is your business. This business needs to serve you and it's important to say, I want you to know when we have our appointment at two o'clock, I will be on the line at two. And even in your contract, you can say the session starts at two and ends at three. If you show up late, it, we just finish the remainder of the session. And it, for me, it goes back to this idea of you teach people how to treat you. So you're clear with your expectations, how you operate because this is your business. And you might say, listen, I work with this group of people and they don't do that, but I really want to work with them. So then that's when you say, okay, how do I build in flexibility into my business to be able to adapt to the people I want to serve? And that's why when I, when I talked about the team situation with long-term and working on on a constructed project, you have to think about the role of power. If I am trying to acquire the client who has the power, Right, they have the power. So how I am then expected to be more flexible when I'm trying to acquire the client? But if you're in a situation where you have so many clients, you have a huge waiting list, you have more power to say, if you want to work it with me, this these are the boundaries I like to work in. How is that for you? Right, and I don't want to sound like a total stickler. I, I just I'm I, what I'm trying to communicate is. You know, I think you agree with me, Amel. This is, we create a portable business to suit our lives. It has to work for you in some way. Otherwise, you're going to grind yourself into the ground, burn out, be dissatisfied, and the business is not going to serve you anymore. So you need to get clear on your boundaries. And my boundaries are very different from yours. I might be way more open to to different cultural adaptability based on who I am and my experiences across cultures than someone who's just getting started. That might be way far out of their comfort zone, but totally in my zone of comfort, right? So I can't prescribe what works for someone else because I don't know their boundaries. I don't know their cultural experience and their level of flexibility. Yeah. I think this is
1: really, we're reaching to an end. We could talk about this so long, but if I wanted to, I really love that we ended with the fact that at some point we have to make it work for us. Mm -hmm. And this is really important. And to make it work for us, we need to know our expectations. So I think it starts with first understanding the environment, learning about it, negotiating, but in order to negotiate, you need to first know what you want to get out of it and what is your boundaries so that you can you can negotiate that compromise between the two cultures. And it's a constant negotiations, I guess, the culture yeah. interactions.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> It's adaptability. And I think you need to be willing to say, where, when am I very happy to adapt and I'm a, a happy to adapt far? And where are my boundaries where I say, no, that's too far for me?
1: Yeah, definitely. Wow. This was so interesting, Sunday. Is there anything else you would like to add on top of what we, we covered so much? <laughs> but is there anything you think we missed here that you really would really like to highlight?
0: I guess what I would say is this can feel daunting. Um, for, there's two things going on. For someone who has lived and worked across cultures um, for many years, don't underestimate what you can learn by focusing on these dimensions of culture because I've worked with top CEOs with you know executive MBAs from INSEAD who have done the cultural stuff and lived and worked around the world. And I've also seen the learning that has taken place when they've taken a moment to reflect on the role of culture. So that's for people who are highly experienced. For those who are listening to this, who are maybe on their first assignment, haven't lived a lot abroad, or maybe even in a monocultural marriage and haven't had a lot of cross-cultural experience, don't be daunted by this. That taking one step to get curious around, hmm, how are we different and similar across cultures? What are these neutral things that she's talking about? that just a little bit of knowledge and applying it in your everyday life can go a long way. Yeah, definitely. So get to learn about the culture, ask
1: questions, reach out to people from that culture and say, you know, um, I just arrived and I would love to know how this works, for instance, or something like that. Um, But I also think that we can get too comfortable by having had travel too much and having had too much exposure to cultures at some point, we get so comfortable that we forget about that. So I think that's also another thing that can happen, (laughs) I can say. (laughs) Um, I see it all the time. I see it all the time. uh, And the third is becoming questioning too much. So be careful to not start doubting everything about what you do, what you say. And I think that's the balance here between being a novice Uh, being too comfortable and questioning all the time. So I think that's um, the balance.
0: Exactly. Remember, effective, appropriate, and satisfactory is the goal. Love that. Effective, appropriate, and satisfactory. Fantastic.
1: Sunday, thank you so much. This was so interesting. Thanks for bringing your amazing experience
0: in intercultural communication. Thank you. Happy to be here. And anybody reach out if you have specific questions. I'm happy to touch base. Fantastic. So what is the
1: best place to find you?
0: No, okay. I'm on sundaybean.com, S-U-N-D-A-E-B-E-A-N. You can find me on Facebook under Sunday Shander Bean uh, LLC. Reach out, send me a personal email or um, tag me on social media and I'm happy to get back to you personally. Oh, wonderful. And no matter don't hesitate to check out her great podcast, Sunday's
1: great <laughs> podcast, The Expat Happy Hour. So mm-hmm. thanks again, Sunday. Thank you. Have a great day, everybody. Nomad Nation, I hope that you enjoyed the great insights of our guest today. If you did, please make sure to share it with your friends. See you at the next episode and stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.